0: Last week, I began talking about eternal reward. We've been on a series called Press On, and it's the idea of pressing on to eternal reward. But I ran out of time last week. I had a whole section I didn't get to cover, and so I've decided I'm gonna share a standalone message today on crowns. Revelation chapter three, and we're gonna look at verse 11, a single verse this morning. It says this, Behold, Jesus speaking, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. Let's pray and let's ask the Lord's hand on this time as we open his word. Lord, I I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is light and it is life. It's instruction. It's correction. Lord, I just ask that today you would release a great anointing. We already sense your spirit in this place. But we pray that you would open your word to our hearts and allow it to accomplish all that your spirit desires. Holy Spirit, we welcome you now. I ask that you would anoint every person within the sound of my voice. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart that perceives what your spirit is speaking. And let there be an anointing upon my life. May I not speak out of the flesh or out of my own wisdom, but only that which your spirit would speak through me. And so we commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. It's my prayer that by the end of the service today, and and prayerfully we all live with eternity in mind. Do you live with this idea that um, we're going to give an answer. We're going to give an account for the way that we lived and the things that we did with what God has trusted us with. Do we know that? I, I, I'm praying that today God would just give us an awareness of what it is. In fact, I, I love this verse because there's a couple things that, that I notice here. Uh, Jesus, first of all, warns, I am coming quickly. Quickly have you guys ever been in this scenario it's it's funny because i'm watching my kids now move into this phase of their life in ministry or ministry in their life uh where uh they do ministry too but where mom gives them assignments before she leaves right she's going grocery shopping or whatever and then they get the message or the call i'm on my way home and i watch my kids scramble because. There's still laundry sitting in the in the laundry basket there's still dishes sitting in the sink and I watch these guys like panic to work and get things in order right and and I think there's a sense in which we should all live with an awareness that Jesus is coming that we don't know i mean you know people say well people have been saying that for thousands of years yeah but if you look at the signs of the times and the things that are lining up right now friend i'm just telling you you can do a very simple study take matthew 24 jesus said this will happen this will happen this will and then get on google not even on a christian website get on google and say okay jesus you said earthquakes Look at the statistics for earthquakes through the roof. Look at the statistics for sickness through the roof. Every single one of these categories happening in greater intensity, more frequency, at the same time than ever in human history. It's wild, and it's, it's so, Jesus is coming quickly. And I, I just say for, for us, I wanna be ready. I want you to be ready that when Jesus comes back, I'm not even talking about, understand, I'm not talking about salvation necessarily, but I want to know that those who have been born again, that we look good in front of God on judgment day. That's what I want. In fact, it's one of the commitments that we make. We just went through a discover track with some of our guys and we'll go through it with others who would like to. And one of the things I talk about is how we are in equipping church. And what does that mean? That means Ephesians 4.11. God gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. So you know what that means? My job is not to do the work of the ministry. My job is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. So I'm always going to be bothering you. Show up on work day. Help me host a table here. Lead a life group. Greet somebody at a door. I'm always going to be pushing you. Do something for Jesus because, guys, you understand this is not fair, but the Bible says that I as a shepherd will give an account for your life. That's not fair. This is one of the warnings that, that Paul gives, you know, before you desire to be in leadership, understand that I will be held to stricter judgment and I will give an account for the way you live your life. That's not very fair. And so we've always made a commitment and I've heard Dr. Morocco say it's his job to make people look good on Judgment Day. And if you look bad on Judgment Day, don't tell anybody you came to this church, please. That's a joke, he already knows. He knows what church you go to. But he's coming quickly. And it says, hold fast to that which you have, that no one may take your crown. You'll notice there in that passage, it's not the devil that's taken people's crowds, uh, crowns. It's not, you know, a demon that's taken a crown. No, it's that no, in fact, the King James says that no man take your crown. And essentially what that means is there are things that the Lord has trusted for you to do. And if you don't do it, I believe that God will raise up somebody else who will. And at the end of the day, when we get to heaven and we give an account for our life, they will receive the reward that you were supposed to have. I don't know what that's going to feel like, but I'm just telling you, friend, I don't want anybody in this church walking around with crowns that the Lord desired for me to have. So I'm going to live my life in such a way that I'm going to receive all that the Lord has for me. Now, the Bible lists five crowns. I want to talk about them. Can we, can we do a Bible study today? I'm going to give you what the crowd, crowns are. We're going to talk about it and how you can receive them. I believe you could receive all of them if you are diligent and you pursue. Okay. So the first one, if you're taking notes, which these are in the Bible app, by the way. I, I uploaded into the Version Bible app. Uh, if you look under more and events, you'll see all the notes, all the scriptures that I use today. Says, uh, number one is the crown of righteousness. The crown of righteousness. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, you are righteous. Yeah. Look at your other neighbor. Now, some people didn't participate. Look at your other neighbor. Make sure they're moving their lips. and Tell them, you are righteous. There we go. Now, the Apostle Paul was writing his farewell letter to his spiritual son, Timothy, in 2 Timothy. And he says in chapter 4 and verse 8, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not only to me, but all who have loved his appearing. This is the crown of righteousness. Uh, You say, what is righteousness? I'll never forget, I was, I think in the first year, maybe the first two years of ministry, and I had this guy who had just gotten saved in our church. And... Uh, he'd always come up to me. Hey, preach, you No, know, you know, whatever. That's just what he called me And I didn't count it as a dishonoring thing. It's just all right I'm preached to this guy and so he'd always come up to me and, and I just to give you a picture where this guy was coming from He came to me one time with this story. He's like, you know, I, I heard about these uh, Mafia cartel guys down in Mexico and they're like selling drugs But then they give the money to the church and they build orphanages and stuff. He's like, you think it'd be okay if somebody did something like that for our building program? And I'm like, yeah, no, (laughs) no, 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 no. I shut it down. You know, I thought about it like, wait, no, but no, he was a known drug dealer in the community. I no, I said, no way we cannot do that. We can't do that. But that's where this guy was coming from. And he was, I'm telling you, he was not joking. He was very serious in that question. But I remember we were sitting down one time and we were sharing a meal together and he turns to me, Hey, preach. What is righteousness? And I remember like, you know, there's these terms that we as Christians throw around, but these guys who are coming out of an unchurched world and maybe even some here today, like we use these theology terms of what in the world does that mean? You know what righteous means? It's very simple. It means without sin. It means holy, without sin. You just think about somebody, you just told somebody, and somebody just told you, you are righteous. Now this is a crazy thought, because that is a true statement if you've received Jesus, but how does that work? Because the Bible says that there is none righteous, no, not one. It says in Ephesians chapter, or not, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 6, right? Is it 6, 4? There is none righteous, no, oh, it's Romans 3, 10, I, I wrote all the notes down here. There is none righteous not even one and then it says in 1st Corinthians 6 9 that the unrighteous cannot inherit the kingdom of God so this is scary friend so nobody is righteous, which means nobody can inherit the kingdom of God. But then the Bible continues. In Romans chapter 4, it says that God imputes righteousness apart from works. And in verse 11, says we are counted as righteous because of our faith in Jesus. Now you say, now imputed is another one of those theology words. What does this imputed mean? Well, I, I wrote down that definition as well. This is out of Webster's eighteen twenty eight dictionary. Did you know Webster was a Bible scholar, by the way? Yeah, he had his own translation of the Bible. You can find a Webster's Bible, and you can practically preach out of the first edition of Webster's Dictionary. I've got one of the copies. It's like this thick, and, uh, and it's got scripture references for every definition. I'm not even kidding. But this is what he said about imputed. It is attributed, it is ascribed, or it is charged to the account of. So, when the Bible says that we have received imputed righteousness, that means it has been charged to our account, or credited to our account. How many of you guys did your tax return over these last few weeks? You, know, you guys are all waiting to do your tax return. Okay, so a few of you did. I used to be real excited about tax return. When my wife and I were first married, it was so fun, man. I made, I made 22, $22,000 a year. That's what I got offered for my first pastor position. Praise the Lord. $22,000 a year. So, so some of you guys, you want to go into ministry for the big bucks? There you go, $22,000 a year. That's what I stepped into. And so, uh, but I also had a $5,000 insurance that was divided out over the entire year. It wasn't even enough for insurance. And I had two kids at the time. And so we just decided to take that as cash. And we went with Jehovah Jireh insurance. We just pray for our sick kids. And so, uh, and they're still alive. Praise God. <laughs> we have insurance now but i remember in those early days we would uh um anybody else have jehovah jireh insurance just all right so that's fine why not and so uh but in those days man you understand like the the, we would get a tax return now i'm lucky you know what i got back on my tax return i'm not even ashamed to tell anybody i and i had to work for this man i got 210 dollars back Wow! I was just thankful I didn't have to pay out this year. Uh, it's just its crazy the way our world is going. But, but back in the day, man, I used to get $5,000 back for tax return. And when we're living on 20, you guys understand, like, I mean, every day I was checking the bank statement. Every day. I mean a couple weeks after I'm looking every single day and I remember when that money hit the bank account Leah get ready pack up the kids. We're going shopping and we went man. We spent it all I mean we just we but we enjoyed and it was oh, it was amazing You guys know what I'm talking about anybody else deal with it like that now? That's what it is to have something credited to your account. We all like payday We all enjoy that time. This is literally what Jesus has done, what we could never work to earn for ourselves. Jesus purchased himself, and the Bible says he has imputed. It's a deposit into our spiritual account, if you will. His own righteousness, his holiness, and his sinless life has been credited to you. Oh, my goodness. You ought to get excited about that. Somebody better say, thank you, Jesus. Now, the, the, the problem is, I don't know if you're like me, but like, I try and walk by the Spirit, but every once in a while, I have other spirits, like the spirit of slap that will come upon me. Anybody? like You're just going through. I don't know why my kids, uh, we need to adjust our school schedule. Like, they get out of school right at rush hour here in Kona. And it's miserable, man. And, and of course, uh, our AC, I don't know why, sometimes it just shuts off or stops blowing cold. But it only happens in our car, but it only happens when I'm already irritated. I don't know why i told my wife like i think this thing is connected to our emotions or something like that it's only when we're in an argument or something that our ac shuts off i can't even get the thing fixed because i've taken it to the dealership and they're well it's blowing cold right now and I can't even identify it and so you ever notice like yesterday i don't know i think i like ripped a tea bag or something it, it was, you know, it was minor, but it was just something I got irritated about, you know, trying to pull the thing and all the, you know, it had gotten wet, and so it just, it, it blew up. And, um, and then I'm, I'm turning around to get another one, and my, my pants pocket gets caught on the cabinet handle. Why does that stuff only happen when you're already irritated? Anybody ever know this? It's like God grabbing your attention, like, hey! <laughs> Anyway, so (laughs) I'm getting kind of sidetracked. My point is we're all attempting to live and walk by the Spirit, but we have not arrived yet, right? I mean, if if you've achieved perfection, if you're sinless and you never struggle with these kinds of things, then please pray for me. I want to receive that. But at the end of the day, I understand that as long as we are in this life, there's going to be that battle between the Spirit and our flesh, but what Paul is talking about, oh my goodness, this is amazing. He says in Galatians 5.5, 5, it says, We who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. So we know it's been accredited to us, but we are not yet walking in the fullness of it. But there is a day where Paul says, I am looking towards a crown of righteousness which the Lord is laid up for all who believe and all who have loved his appearing there is going to be a day where we see God face to face and he lays upon us all that we have laid hold of by faith but it's not going to be a struggle anymore can you imagine church I'm not tempted by sin any longer my insecurities my doubts my fears my 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 comparison and competition all of those things are a result of this fallen world that we live in all of that will be gone in a moment when the Lord places upon us his righteousness oh I don't know about you but I'm excited about that day so how do you receive that crown well you got to receive Jesus by faith and so if you have been born again I just want to let you know you have the expectancy for the crown of righteousness waiting for you on the other side of this life hallelujah the second crown is what we call the imperishable crown the imperishable crown I actually talked about this last week so I won't spend much time on it today first Corinthians 9 24 says do you not know that those who run In a race, all run, but only one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Everyone who competes for the prize is temperate or disciplined in all things. They do it for a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable and everlasting. So I run this way, not with uncertainty, and thus I find not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body. I bring it into subjection lest When I preach to others, I myself should become disqualified. Oh my goodness. I've already spent time talking about this this morning, but you understand, church, we will all give an account for the life that we've lived and based on the things that we did for Jesus. Now, again, I I gotta make sure that you understand. I'm not talking about do more so you can get saved. You are saved because you have put your faith in the accomplished work of Jesus Christ, period. Ephesians says, Not of works, lest any man could boast. You have no bragging rights about how good you are or how wonderful you are. None of us have earned salvation. Are we clear? However, once you have been born again, there will be a record. The Bible says you will give an account for every word and every deed you have taken in this life. And based on that, in fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, one of my favorite I mean this thing, this thing it, it changed my life when I understood what it was talking about. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 11 says, um, there's no foundation which can be laid but that which is Christ Jesus. And if anyone builds on that foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear the day, capital deed, the day of judgment will declare it. It will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work he is built on endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. So. The picture is this. There's the foundation. It's Jesus. That's our salvation. It's only in Jesus. That's the bedrock. That's everything that we build upon. But then, as we begin to labor and build and work in this life, there is only two categories of building materials, essentially. You have gold, silver, and precious stones, and you have wood, hay, and straw you notice the difference between these two. Gold, silver, and precious stones. What happens when you put gold or silver or precious stones into intense fire? Anybody know? It's purified. Yeah. It's not consumed. And even that which is you know, unclean in it gets purified. It, it comes out wood, hay, and straw. As these things go into the fire, all it does is fuel the fire, but ultimately you're, you're left with ash. And this is the very reason Leonard Ravenhill said, you make sure that when you stand before God on Judgment Day, you're not standing knee-deep in ashes. I consider everything that I do, is this of eternal value or is it not? Is what I'm doing today building something that will last, something that will matter in the scope of eternity. Now, before you all quit your jobs and you go join YWAM because now you got to be a missionary, I want you to understand, because that's, that's, where, that's where a lot of us kind of go to. It's like, well, if I'm going to do everything for Jesus. I'm, no, no, no. God has called some of you to be missionaries and pastors and, and, and evangelists. Absolutely, no doubt about it. And if you don't do that, you'll give an answer to that on Judgment Day. I'm not saying you're gonna miss heaven, but God's gonna ask why didn't you do what I asked you to do? I wanted you to be a soul winner. I wanted you to be a shepherd of people's souls. I wanted you to unfold the word of God to people who desperately needed it. You may not miss heaven, but you will give an account, and your reward will be less than if you had been obedient to the call of God. But how many of you believe that our world would be better and impacted for all eternity if we had, for example, some politicians who would be willing to stand up for godly principles, who would be willing to say, you know what, I, I think that, that we need to have uh, Jesus represented in the schools. I, I do think that we need to, you know, why? I need to be careful. It irritates me when my sixth grader comes home. And he's being taught all kinds of things about uh, sexual identity and gender pronouns and all of this kind of stuff. Now, the thing that bothers me is most of those kids have not even hit puberty. Why are we talking about this? kind? This is a big motivating factor for why we started our own school. Now, I praise God. Now, if my son could be a light in darkness in that school, then we would still have him in public school. the fact of the matter is, no, no, I better not go there there are mandates in place that cause my son not to be able to uh to be able to be in school to play sports and all of this and uh because i've chosen man i, I you know my kids got covid am i going down a dangerous track here my kids got covid you know what covid looked like it was the delta i know because my kids got covid my my son had a stuffy nose for about 24 hours and then it was done my daughter was tired for one afternoon and then it was done. Why would I subject my kids to a vaccine when they've already had this thing, they're building immunities, they you know, this thing is, is coming and we're watching now, you're, you're watching now. Isn't it amazing how the State of the Union address, COVID is just gone, wow. It bothers me, man. It really bothers me. And so, you know, some of you now, now I've heard people, you know, my parents are senior citizens and they got the vaccine and they feel good for doing that. That's great. Fine. But why am I going to have my my children who've already had it and they bounce back from this thing and it's becoming more and more mild every wave that goes by? I'm not doing that. But because I'm not, they're like, they call us and they say, well, there was a kid in the cafeteria who had, who had COVID. And so uh, your son's not been vaccinated. He needs to stay home for 10 days, and then it happens again. And before we even get him back into school, it happens again. And I'm just like, my son, I want him to be light and darkness, but he's not even allowed to attend right now. Driving me crazy. So we pulled him. We started our own school. Thank you, Miss Anna, for stepping up, being a wonderful teacher. So. That's my opinion, okay? That's not, what I'm preaching is not gospel. It's my opinion, but I stand by it. So. All right, what was I talking about? The imperishable crown. <laughs> my point is, my point is here. Here's my point for real. Don't you think it would be wonderful if we had some people with brains in our political system who says, "Here's what's right and here's what's wrong." Or we had some people within our school systems who said, "No, Jesus needs to be represented here and and, and not some of this other garbage that we're forcing down." You know, kids, I mean, I think the world would be better. I think that we need some godly entrepreneurs and leaders and business owners who rise up carrying the vision of the Lord, who would, who would be a father to a fatherless generation, right? And let me teach you how to steward finances since your dad never taught you how to do this. Let me, let me give you the opportunity to work hard and to build something uh, that'll last for generations. I think we need some people of God who are in these different spheres of influence. So I'm not telling you, you know, quit everything and go in the ministry. That's not my point at all. I'm saying you need to consider how does Jesus influence everything you're setting your hands to do. You're working in the world. You're working in schools. You, you know, you have the opportunity everywhere you are to represent Jesus and make an eternal impact. All right. Well, number three. Actually, I'm going to do three and four together, Okay. Number three is the crown of glory, the crown of glory. And then number four is the crown of life, the crown of glory and the crown of life. The reason I tie these two together is they're very close in nature. First Peter 5, 4 talks about the crown of glory. It says, when the chief shepherd, Jesus, appears, you will receive the crown of glory, which shall not fade away way crown of glory I'm gonna describe it in a moment revelation 210 these words are in red he says about the crown of life do not fear things that are you are about to suffer indeed the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested you will have tribulation ten days be faithful even unto death and I will give you the crown of life this is jesus speaking to a specific situation that was going on with a church in the book of revelation and he's telling them listen you're going to go through hardship and some of you are going to die but if you endure you will receive the crown of life now the reason i tie the crown of glory and the crown of life together um It's very fascinating. Every time you see talk about glory and how we share in glory, almost always it is connected with suffering. Almost always it's it's connected with persecution or hardship. It says, uh, you know, Stephen was being stoned and he looked up in Acts chapter 7 and he says that he beheld the glory of God. In Romans 8.18, the Amplified says that our present suffering does not compare to the glory that will be revealed to us and in us. And you'll notice even with this crown of life, Jesus is encouraging a church that is being persecuted, endure, and I will give you the crown of life. Now, there's some very smart theologians who say any believer will receive the crown of life, the crown of glory. And that may be the case. There's also some very smart theologians and and some people who love Jesus that say, no, 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 no. This is only for those who suffer and even those who maybe die as martyrs. Now, I don't know which of those I personally lean towards. You got to suffer for it. Um, It's my personal. We'll find out when we get there. If we all get crowns of glory and crowns that say life, praise Jesus. But what I do know is what this encourages us in is the fact that when we go through hardship and when we go through tribulation, there is something that God has for us on the other side of it. This should be motivation for all of us to keep on going because guys, I know some preachers, they never talk like this. They they, they never talk about how, you know, man, when you come to Jesus, it's not all just rainbows and butterflies. Have you discovered that yet? I'm sorry to disappoint you, but I, you know, sometimes we need people. It's like, you know, like I balance myself out in my preaching sometimes, who I listen to. It's like if I find if I'm getting too negative or hard, I'll listen to Joel Osteen. He just smile at me and encourage me, and uh, and you know I'm just getting. And I'm being serious. I'm not making fun. Like sometimes I need joy. Like, but but if I find that everything's just so happy and everything's like, then I'll go put on Wilkerson or Ravenhill and just everything. Everybody's going to hell, and we need to do something about it. Like, yeah. You understand? So you, you need both. It's like, it's a well-rounded diet. I I eat my salad, but then I need some meat too, and. Uh, Hallelujah, and so uh, you know, so I listened to it all so the Reason I say that I don't know why I said that oh so (laughs) this My point is We will endure suffering and hardship in this life It's gonna come and I just decided a long time ago if I'm gonna go through hell at periods of time of my life I'd much rather walk with them with Jesus through them with Jesus than without I'd rather have the comforter and the teacher and the healer walking right alongside me if I'm going through difficulty. I just decided that's a lot better than trying to do this thing on my own. And I consider the fact that, oh my goodness, church, on the other side, if we endure tribulation, if we endure hardship. I mean, you guys, you don't know some of the nights I wake up and just think, did we get that permit? Did we call this person? I mean, I, this, this project, I mean, I'm losing my hair. And I know that's minor. You know, you, you go talk to Brother Stefan about some of the stuff he's seen in Pakistan. I mean, we, are, we don't know nothing about suffering or tribulation or hardship, I'm just telling you. But I, I look and I, is it worth it to work hard and to pray hard and to give hard? Is it worth it to labor the way that we do? I say it is. I, I look at you guys. I, I look at you guys. You know how hard we've worked even just to get right here right now? But now there's hundreds that can gather at a church that did not exist in Kona. and We can be fed and we can be encouraged and we can be saved and we can be set free. And It's worth, it's worth the work. I was hearing a conversation, I was having dinner with, with Chris and Karis and and and, and and Natalie and and David, and you know Chris, if you don't know, is he's a world class athlete. I mean, like Iron Man, world champ, like he's he's top of the game, okay and uh, And somebody asked him the question like Chris, do you just like pain? I mean he's talking about I'm, I'm going for a bike ride all the way around Maui and every street in between like. Like, like, no exaggeration. If I, if I ride my bike from my house to here, I'm dead. But he's like all the way around Maui, and then, uh, let's go check out every road. Um, and he asked him, do you, like, do you just like pain? But his response, you know, you learn to accept pain, but, but he's got a goal. He had a vision that was laid out, but I'm going to be world champion iron man he had something that was set before him that was motivating him yes to endure the pain and i'm telling you church every one of us has a crown of glory we have a crown of life that is laid up for each and every one of them. if you will endure if you will stay strong and keep your eyes on that thing i'm telling you it will empower you the pain the suffering the discrimination the, the whatever i may endure for the cause of christ it's worth going through because there is a prize on the other side of this for me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, worship team, would you come? I'm, I'm done. I have one more, and this is my favorite. This is my favorite crown. Number five is the crown of rejoicing. The crown of rejoicing rejoicing I'm just gonna read to you the verse where this is found and you'll get a clear picture of exactly what it is first Thessalonians 219 says what is our hope our joy our crown of rejoicing what is it is it not even you in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ at his coming you are our glory and our joy he's writing to a church in Thessalonica and he's saying You guys, you know what my joy is? You know what my crown of rejoicing is? It's you guys. And the fact that you're going to be with me when Jesus comes back. I love the way the New Living Translation says, it says, after all, what gives us hope and joy? And what will be our proud reward and crown of rejoicing as we stand before the Lord Jesus when he returns? It is you. Oh my goodness you know what I think about church part of the reward that you and I will receive will re- be reflected in who we bring with us to heaven and it's real simple but the people you witness to the people you invite into your home for Bible study the people you pray for and, and God brings breakthrough and they get saved all, all of that is registered in heaven. It's a crown of rejoicing that each of us will receive. I don't know about you but I want to have a lot on that crown right there. I I want to build that thing up. I want to have a lot of rejoicing. I want to say I want to have a lot of people that make it into heaven because of the way I live my life. And I want that for you, friend. Would you stand? We're going to we're going to pray crown of rejoicing I'll never forget a moment I was in Illinois and there were a number of churches five, six churches that all came together Catholic Church, Methodist, Church of God Baptist, I mean all different denominations all came together we had a tent revival and uh, I was invited to speak uh, one of those nights, we had a different pastor preaching every night and Um, I preach man and I I, I preach hard there were hundreds of people that were gathered there I preached I gave the altar call there was probably two to three hundred people that responded to that salvation call and uh, we prayed for everybody they all went back to their seats and after I had finished that time of prayer the Lord just began to tug on my heart He's like you need to give another altar call now I'm already the weird guy amongst these other pastors. It's already odd that I did an altar call and now I'm gonna do a second one for the same thing that I just did, but I couldn't get away from it. I I had to do that second call. And so I said, "I, I don't know why the Lord is having me do this, but I feel like there's another person here that you need to get right with God today. And after I waited, it was awkward, it was a long time, but finally there was one young man named Zachary Irwin, stepped down, 22 years old, steps down to the altar, and he gives his life to Jesus. I stepped down off of the altar. I remember he was the only one. There's hundreds of people there, but I, I embraced him. I prayed with him personally, and I'm so thankful that I did. That night, Zach went to St. Louis. He was going to start a new job the next week. But Zach was kidnapped, and Zach was murdered that night. That very night, I I went even yesterday just just to kind of remember and make sure I was telling the story right. I there's news articles and all of this. There was a there was a chamber where they chained him up. They tortured. It was horrible, horrible. And I was walking through the family, the family attended our church in Illinois and I was walking with them and all throughout this entire, it was one of the most horrible things I've seen. It was the worst funeral I've ever had to do in my life, but the joy was the fact that I knew I was obedient to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, and I got the chance to personally lead Zach to Jesus the day before he met him face to face. Oh my goodness, you guys. He's one of the first people I'm going to look for when I get to heaven. Zach, I'm so glad you made it in, man. By a day. That's a crown of rejoicing right there. That's a crown of rejoicing. Now, I wanna be sure. I don't I'm, I'm really not trying to use scare tactics or anything here today. I want you to understand. But I remember as a young person, I just thought I'm, I'm gonna smoke Paco Lolo, and I'm gonna build my music career and I'm gonna do whatever I want. One of these days after I've had my fun, I'm gonna give my life to Jesus. Not knowing that in summer of 2004, I'd be dying of a drug overdose because my fun took me a little too far. And it's only the grace of God that I was raised up from that place and that I'm standing here today. And I want to encourage you. I don't know where you are in your walk with the Lord. I don't know if you're half in, half out, or if you've never truly surrendered your life. But I want to give you the opportunity because tomorrow is only found in a fool's calendar today is the day of salvation and I want to be sure before you leave here today that if today were the day that you were to meet God face to face I want you to know that you're ready for it. I'm not even going to have you bow your head or close your eyes in this place but unashamedly if you say pastor Jacob I need to be sure before I leave here today that I'm right with God and I want you to include me in your prayer Would you pray for me that I would be right with God? If that be you, would you just wave at me so I know who I'm talking to this morning? Yeah, I see you there, I see you there, I see you there. Are there others?